0: Welcome to History of the Netherlands, where we explore the events and characters that, over time, have transformed a swamp into an amazing modern marvel. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to what is possibly the most random History of the Netherlands contribution yet. Long-time listeners will be aware... That, alongside being passionate about the history of our boggy swamp, we also carry a deep love for the game of cricket. The Venn diagram intersection between those two things can often leave a lot to be desired. However, somehow, Julian Smith, our intrepid co-creator, producer, and frequent voice of excitement in the background, managed to find a small but wondrous plot of podcasting turf from which to tell an amazing story about cricket being played in the Netherlands during World War I. This opportunity came about on one of our all time favorite podcasts called The Final Word, which is a cricket themed podcast that delves deeply into the many fascinating stories that abound through the long history of the game. So, in this small piece, you will hear the two Final Word podcast hosts, Adam and Jeff, talking with Julian who unravels the story for us. You do not need to know anything about or have any interest in cricket to enjoy this story, which we hope you do.
1: All right, let us play a little bit of Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge, the game we play with all the nice people on the internet, including the ones watching us record this show. It works like this, people fund this program for their own reasons, God knows why, but they do. And they do that by sending in contributions of currencies that do not equate to normal Notes, coins, etc. they're very specific numbers. The numbers relate to cricket, and we have to guess what the number means. At least that's how it normally works, except in this case, <laughs> uh, the first number on the show today, which came in from Julian, uh, a.k.a. one of the co-hosts of the History of the Netherlands podcast, who sent in one euro and 46 and sent in a clue, Adam. But why don't you take it from here?
2: Well, yeah, so I was to be solving this, right? Jeff? you allocated this to me. I spent some time with Julian last year of course when we were there for our our final word Dutch tour. 146 euro. So I'll read the clue first. It's about domestic cricket in the Netherlands and goes way back into DOB territory. It's extraordinarily obscure, but I got lost reading in years gone by and found a guy whose life, from what I've been able to piece together, sounds wild. Good luck. It's a very dusty old bastard time era. That's a subsequent message that you sent through. And the third piece you sent through was not trying to give away my upcoming nerd pledge, but as a batsman, he's described as an artist of the purest water now with that third bit I went hunting and you know I, I found a couple of hooks to references to artists of the purest water and so on um I was scanning, Never heard that
1: phrase before
2: well n- nor had I and I'm looking forward to hearing Julian's perspective on this so uh, nor had I but it does come up a couple of times and I thought wait where's the cricket link I threw a couple of names at Julian is it the surname linked to a poet and, and all the rest of it but I wasn't getting very far. And I said to him, look, here's the long and the short of it. We want to feature this on episode 150. I need something to go on. Give me something to go on. And then he gave me so much to go on. I'm like, hang on. This is a story that you are deeply committed to. We have never brought in uh, a third host to work with us in an episode. We, of course, we've had many, many co-hosts on, on Storytime. It's been uh, part of the energy of the show, I reckon, is that we, we tend to mix it up. But never has anyone came in to answer their own question. But as soon as Julian... No sent one's answered through, their own question. I, yeah. I
1: will say once once uh, Barrett actually sent us through a Nerd Pledge and while he was hosting we did it on the show but that's slightly different yeah that's That's, right that's right well
2: this this has felt it would have been wrong for me to have told the story of a player that julian's about to tell us because he's already done the research and he's a historian he hosts a a history podcast and he's a lovely communicator from his other job working uh, as a tour host in in amsterdam so what better time than to bring in one of our faves julian from the history of the netherlands podcast to tell us all about 146
3: euros hello Uh, Hello, Adam. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone watching on Zoom. I feel like I've broken Nerd Pledge a little bit by coming on here and having to tell my own story. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have, but I think you've done it in a good way. I think one of the good things
1: about this uh, format and the show itself is that we we change, we evolve, we we mutate, we our cells divide at an alarming rate. We grow new extremities. We are we are never going to be the same as the thing we were the week before. So um, you're just you're just part of that Darwinian charge through the 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 passage of time. Well, happy days.
3: I can explain the clue for you, but I maybe I will leave it to the end a little bit because it might make a bit more sense if I get to the end of the story to sure. explain the clue.
2: Often that's the way it works best when there's some obscure bit at the end of the clue and that might be the last thing that Jeff or I come to after telling um, every other part of the story. So that's a nice device. Yes. All
3: right. So as you just explained, Adam, I do make a history podcast called History of the Netherlands. And I'm a big fan of cricket as well. So I thought it would be appropriate to make a Nerd Pledge, which combined my two interests here of Dutch history and cricket. And so I went digging through old newspapers and found this story, which was just so good. I felt like it had to be told on Nerd Pledge. And yeah, the number is 1 euro and 46. And like I said, it's kind of about like the DOB territory, but actually goes a little bit before then. because I think the DOB is about players who played between the world wars. And this is actually about a player who played yep. during the First World War. Well, yeah, that's right. So
2: just to just to explain to those who haven't been listening for a long time, we, we gained a lot of new listeners during the Ashes. A DOB, a dusty old bastard, where it started was when Jeff and I realised that there were so many players that turned out for England in the wild interwar period and many of them played you know, two or three or four test matches and we felt that they deserved their moment in the sun on a podcast 80 years later <laughs> in a category that with a slightly um, pejorative title, Dusty Old Bastards. So we would highlight their stories in totality and tell the full story of their career beyond you know, two test matches for 17 runs or something like that. But there's been a concentration of them between the wars. But um, even better, given there's been no cricket in England in World War I, of course, or anywhere else for that matter. But a bit different, I suppose, for the Netherlands, who who um, had a different experience.
3: Yeah, exactly. So because of the war, like uh, the first class cricket was canceled in pretty much all of the countries where it was played. So there was no first class cricket in England or Australia or New Zealand or South Africa for almost all of the years between 1914 and 1918. But there was still cricket played in the armed forces. And also there was still cricket played in the Netherlands because in the first world war, the Netherlands remained neutral which, uh, yeah, they were right next to Belgium where a lot of the most awful fighting in that war was, but they didn't want to get involved in it. Fair enough. Well,
1: they didn't really want to get involved in it in the Second World War either, but they weren't given much option.
3: Yeah, exactly. So they just um, kept playing cricket merrily by themselves in the Netherlands. So when the war broke out uh, in October 1914, the city of Antwerp in Belgium fell to the Germans and there was this whole massive retreat of Belgian and English soldiers out of Antwerp. And it was very chaotic and there was a lot of disarray. (laughs) And a bunch of those soldiers ended up taking boats across the Scheldt River uh, and ended up landing in the Netherlands. And the Netherlands being a neutral country in the war couldn't be seen like favoring either side. And so they had no other option, but to put those soldiers into internment camps. And so they took about 1500 British soldiers, As far away from belgium as they possibly could they put them in a camp in the north of the netherlands in a place called groningen and then the officers were put in a different camp nearby the hague and so you got to think that for all these like dutch people who were playing cricket this was like a really great opportunity for them because all of a sudden there were all these young english men who were in the country they like cricket these dutch people liked cricket as well and so this is like a great chance for them to play cricket against good opposition Hmm. And so some Dutch cricket enthusiasts began to uh, organise games between Dutch 11s and teams of English prisoners.
1: Question, how do they play games if they're in uh, prisoner of war camps?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. So these officers were, you know, gentlemen and they were well behaved and they negotiated with the uh, people in the camps that they would be allowed out on parole. So as long as they, like, behaved (laughs) well, they would be allowed to go off and do their own thing.
1: (laughs) It's the oh, nice most English fucking thing of We promise we won't try to escape. Well, he said he promises.
3: That's pretty much how it works. Different era back then, you know, Jeff?
2: I also like the idea
3: of, like, from a Dutch perspective, the
2: crisis-creating opportunity for the cricket files who lived there at the time. Like, wow, oh, how good's this? We've interned a shitload of British soldiers and, uh, and that means we can play some... De- we can improve the standard of our cricket locally. I mean, that, that's resourceful with nothing else.
3: Yeah, okay, so there was this guy called uh, Karst Postuma, who's one of the legendary pioneering figures of Dutch cricket. Uh, This guy had actually played in the county championship in 1903. He played in the very short-lived London County Cricket Club.
1: Yep, yep, that's uh, where W.G. Grace ended up with um, Arthur Conan Doyle, so he's in good company.
3: Yeah, yeah, so when he played, his teammates included W.G. Grace and Billy Murdoch. So that's a pretty illustrious company, if you ask me. The turncoat Billy Murdoch. <laughs> so this guy, Cast Postuma, he organized a special cricket week in Harlem where Dutch 11s would play against English prisoners. And he organized his own 11, and he played in them in this game. He was 48 right. years old, but he still had it in him. And then because of this, like a lot of Dutch clubs then began inviting English officers to actually play for them in the top cluster, like the top flight of Dutch cricket. And it's funny how you said, Adam, that, you know, people are excited to take advantage of this opportunity, but there were also a bunch of people who are really unhappy about having these foreign players playing in the Dutch league because they kind of saw it as unfair because these prisoners didn't have anything to do but just sit around in a camp all week training, playing cricket. Whereas the Dutch players had to you know, go to work during the week. So the right, English players yes. actually had an unfair advantage.
1: It's a particular turn of logic to be like, I'm jealous of the prisoners of war because <laughs> their life is better than mine.
3: True that. But there was like a lot of negotiations then between like these officers in these camps and the Dutch Cricket Board. And eventually uh, in 1918, the Dutch Cricket Board gave special permission for there to be two teams of English prisoners taking part in the top cluster that year. And those teams were called Prisoners of War A and Prisoners of War B. Very creative. And these teams are really good. Like, I think it's also important to emphasize that. Like, these weren't just like random people, like these were real cricketers who were in the armed forces who would then, after the war, go on and have like pretty big impact on cricket in England. So some of the players were uh, Jack McBrien from Somerset, who was a wisdom cricketer of the year in 1925. And he was really a dusty old bastard himself. He actually played one test match for England. He was cap number 221. And he didn't bat, didn't bowl in a rained out draw. So
2: poor guy. I I was going to say, it feels like the kind of person who we should have featured already. Maybe we mark a place for him, then we'll come back to that cap number in the future.
3: Uh, other players included Middlesex's Jerry Crutchley, who would later on become the president of the club between 1958 and 1962. And also another Middlesex player who's got the best name ever. His name was Challen Hassler Luskin Skeet. Uh, and he's famous because he scored one first class century, which was in Middlesex's last match, the 1920 County Championship season, when they sensationally defeated Surrey on the last day to win the championship after they'd come 13th the year before. And that was Plum Warner's final game as the Middlesex captain. So huh. pretty awesome. I know he's yeah. on the final word shit list. So we final won't word shit list, entrant, Plum Warner, yep. And also there was a guy called William Worsley, who was Yorkshire captain and club president and MCC president. So they were good players is what I'm trying to say. Right. And as you can probably imagine, they absolutely bossed the Dutch league that year. So the Prisoner of War A team won the Dutch league and the Prisoner of War B team came third in the Dutch league. They stuck it up and they sung the song. I wonder what the prisoner of war A song was
2: compared to the prisoner of war B song was. Who got, who got, who got, I don't know. Yeah,
3: who got, yeah, who got to have the North Melbourne song? Every team wants the North Melbourne song, right? <laughs> who
1: got Tigerland?
3: Yeah, who got Tigerland? <laughs> I found this good um, memorial book, which is written to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Dutch cricket board. Uh, it was formed in 1890. And so, yeah, this, they wrote about the 1918 season that. We have never seen the first class so strong again. So it was like a real high point of Dutch cricket.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, so if, if if A came first, then B fucked it up alphabetically by coming third because, you know,
3: there was no seat. To so who comes, who's who's second? All right. So this is where it gets interesting. So the second place team was a team from Harlem called Rodenvit, which means red and white. And, uh, yeah, not only did they manage to beat POWB, you know, come second, finished on top of them but they were also the only team to inflict a defeat upon powa in the entire season oh, the big one so this powa team was like invincible except for that one loss against Rolden Witt. and that one loss that they had was mostly thanks to Rolden Witt's own uh interned english player which is a guy called arthur douglas gay who is the man we want to talk about Oh, okay. yes. Here we go. Okay. okay. So they've got an
1: English player as well. There's there's There are two teams of English players and then a Dutch team that has a separate English player. Exactly. Why?
3: Well, let me get into this. So basically, Arthur Gay, he was born in India in 1885, but then he went back to England and went to school there and he was apparently a really good athlete. But he would go on to become like a career military dude. So in 1906, he joined the Bedfordshire Regiment And he served in Gibraltar, South Africa, and Bermuda. And when he was in Bermuda in 1911, he actually played cricket for Bermuda when they toured the United States. They played a game against the Marion Cricket Club of Haverford, Pennsylvania. And Haverford is part of Philadelphia. This is one of the clubs which contributes players to the gentlemen of Philadelphia team. Yes. so He basically played against the gentlemen of Philadelphia. Pretty awesome.
1: And was the Dwayne Leverock of his era with Barbados as well.
3: He was then uh, promoted to the rank of captain and he joined the Royal Flying Corps and he went off to France to fight in the war. And in June 1915, his plane was shot down over Holland and so he was interned in Holland and he he wanted to keep playing cricket. So he was one of these first people who joined one of the Dutch clubs. So he played for Red and White from the 1916 season. I found a really cool old uh, newspaper called La Gazette de Holland, which is a French and English newspaper published in the Netherlands, which wrote in September 1916 about him. I'll read this quote. says, The 1916 season, as far as first-class cricket is concerned, is chiefly interesting for the part played by the British interned. All the first-class clubs but three numbered some of the British interned amongst them. There may be some differences of opinion on the participation of these gentlemen in the Dutch club matches, but it is certain that the interned have improved the cricket played on our fields. We recall in this respect the excellent games played by Captain Gay and Mr. Beadle, who gave the best display that has been seen on Dutch fields for some years past. Gay was no doubt the most elegant of the two. He always scored in the tempo most attractive to the public and placed the ball with the greatest ease wherever he wanted it.
2: I'm kind of thinking what a great war these guys are having. You know, the idea of having had a good war. Yeah, sure, to be shot down isn't without risk, but provided you can get down to the turf and not have died and perished in, in you know, in a fire, as it were, or, or broken bones. Playing a couple of years of cricket when over the border all hell is literally breaking loose. I mean, it's talk about getting lucky, ending up in one of these sort of low-level, sort of like the, the low-level intern camps, like where you go when you've committed white-collar crime, you know, you're kind of mm. you're in prison, sure. Country club. Yeah, you're in a country club. Like it's, 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 that, it's that kind of war.
1: Ankle bracelet country club. Yeah, you'd rather spend two years in Netherlands than two years in Belgium at that point. Yes, you know, quite.
3: Especially when you're playing cricket at this, uh, you know, attractive tempo. To yeah. me, that just sounds like basball was being played in the Netherlands in 1916. Basball, <laughs> <laughs> bet you didn't know that was Dutch. It, it sounds kind of Dutch now that, you, now that you you mention yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: know. It's bash, Um but, So, yeah, clearly that's where it came from.
3: So I guess uh, to answer your question before, Jeff, uh, he just felt a bit of club loyalty towards the red Mm -hmm. and white team. So he kept playing for them in the 1918 season. And then that match, which they played against the prisoner of war team was on the 7th of August, 1918. And it was one of the greatest club matches ever in Dutch domestic cricket history. So the undefeated POW team uh, batted first and they had Jack McBrien scoring 91 out of a total of six for 304. It's a pretty good score. One person who played for the red and white team was also Cast Postuma, that guy I was saying who organized the games earlier. I know you love old players, Adam. By the time he was playing this game, he was 50. And he took five of the six wickets, ending up with figures of five for 101. So it's pretty good. And then when they were, when they were betting uh, in reply, red and white were in total disarray. So basically their opener, a guy called Van Spengler, got bowled out for one when the score was just nine. And the other opener, a guy called Van Marnen, was run out for 16 when the score was 41. And that brought Captain Gay to the crease. But he couldn't really do much but just stand around and watch his partners fall in quick succession. So the score went from 3 to, for 46 to 4 for 64 to 5 for 88. So remember, they're chasing 304. So they're 216 runs behind with five, half the team out at this point. And his new batting partner was another Englishman, guy, guy called MC Platt. And they had a lot of work to do at that point. And then I found another uh, newspaper which describes this. So I think this is a great way to... um, I just might just read this entire quote out here describing the match from this newspaper called Het Faderland. Then Gay and Platt set up an excellent position. The 100 comes up. Gay brings the total to 200 and is already approaching his century. Gay completes his 100 when the total reaches 240. There was enormous tension as to whether red and white would still win. With 19 minutes left to play, Red and White still needed 29 runs to win. On 299, Platt is bowled by Graves for an excellent 82. There are then three minutes to play and six more runs are needed. Postuma, that's the 50-year-old guy, is soon on the mat and survives three balls. Over! Falk bowls the first ball of his over and Gay hits a huge six into the woods, making the winning runs amid cheers. Platt and Gay had set up a stand of 211 runs. Gay remains with 146 not out.
1: Hell yeah, Captain Gay getting the job done with two minutes to spare to take his fellow Brits down for the pride of the top class. So this is what we're talking about. I
3: just love the image of just smashing a six into the woods. <laughs> Having been to watch uh, England play against the Netherlands at Amsterdam last year, we saw a lot of sixes getting smashed into the woods during that match. We we sure did. Can
2: can you tell me? Is is the um, remind me the name of the red and white team? What's what? How did you pronounce
3: it before? Uh, The Dutch name is Rodenwit, which means literally red and white. Rolden Vit. The, the, the Rolden Vit exist in any form in twenty twenty three?
2: Because I feel like I'm gonna become an ultra of theirs, get a tat or something.
3: Um good question. I think they now are like part like the thing with the Dutch clubs a lot of them have like kind of merged with each other and made all different things. Right. But yeah, I think it still exists. It's called Harlemser Cricket Club Rolden Vit.
2: Yeah, we should oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've got we've got Derek Ishmar Khan as part of the, the yeah, Rolden Vit. Next time I'm there, Julian, we'll go and watch him play mm-hmm. game. I
3: am totally up for that. And we'll tell them the yeah, story so you,
2: of, we'll tell them the story of their club against the, the period the the fucking softcock POWAs couldn't get the job done against them um, <laughs> yeah, in, in exactly. nineteen eighteen.
1: They were Rodenvit were the two thousand and one sorry, the two thousand Western Bulldogs against Essendon in 21.: that's, that's it. That's it. That's couldn't that's get exactly the perfect season. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, People they always that say that.
1: Off. Yeah, they do say that. They say that Captain Gay was Chris Grant Chris with that Grant. snapshot yeah. from the pocket yeah. deep in the fourth quarter. I always quarter. think, about that. I always
2: think about that. Jeff and Julian, you have a view on this as well. How gutsy from Chris Grant with that shot at goal to go out on his left as well? like Because you're yeah. thinking, you know, I think these days, nine times out of ten, you're been that in 2000. But mm-hmm. to have the presence to go, no, I'm going to trust my non-preferred foot with one of the most mm-hmm. important... And, look, the Dogs could still make the finals at that point. Do you know what happens the next week? The Dogs lose to us and we uh, we yeah. bounce them in round 22 and, and secure our berth in in the final series of 2000. Sorry, I digress.
1: You do. But <laughs> speaking of Australian rules football, Julian has to go and he watch does. Melbourne play a final. <laughs> um, so thank you, yeah, Julian, let, for let,
3: coming on the show. Let me just chuck in one extra bit. Uh, please. please. Yes, yes. A bit more here. Yeah. So that guy, that stand which Gay and Platt made, they made 211 runs for the sixth wicket. And as far as I can tell, that is still the record for the sixth wicket in Dutch top cricket. Oh, really? So that's like a record which has stood now for, yeah, I could find the 2018 like almanac of Dutch cricket. And that was still the case then in 2018. So I assume it hasn't been broken in the last five years.
2: Oh, and I need to know before you go and, and your first bounce in six minutes, Artist of the purest water.
3: Yeah, so he was described in the 50th uh, anniversary book of the Rodenwit Cricket Club. as an artist von der water, which is a Dutch expression, which kind of means like an artist of the purest quality. So they said he was an artist with the purest quality with the bat. He was also a chivalrous and spirited man, brave as a bulldog and capable of winning a match for his side all by himself. And so with my no pledge of 146, we can remember when he hit 146 to take down the prisoners of war.
2: Julian, before you go, I'm, I'm going to insist on something here. Please write a book about the interned, Brits playing cricket, uh, and if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it because that is that sounds like this that sounds like a book that needs to be written. But you've got first dibs oh, on it because you are a historian based in the Netherlands.
3: Uh, it's something I've been thinking about. I will be in touch with you to uh, chat about that later on, Adam.
2: Let's work it out. Good luck this evening.
3: Thank you so much for having me on.
1: It was our pleasure. I, I, yeah, the, the best possible war is kind of the title I might envisage for yeah, for a book like that. All go right, go Okay, days a little Cheers, bit mate. of their pledge history there with Julian coming on the show. Thank you for guesting.
3: to get it done